supercars in Sydney, racing all weekend long, shifting from day into dusk into darkness. Lights on, because in Sydney, we ignite the night. We are go to light up our Sydney sky. You don't want to miss this. Panasonic Air Conditioning Sydney Super Night, 19 to 21 July. Book now at Ticketek. Supercars unforgettable. Australian Muscle Car Magazine is one of the most respected voices in motoring media. There's been over 140 issues and thousands of stories published in the last 22 years. From the amazing muscle car machines of the past to the present and the stars that steered and built them, AMC has something for everyone. Delve into the heritage of homegrown high performance now at musclecarmag.com.au. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey everybody, welcome along, V8 Sleuth Podcast for another week, and this week we are taking a look at all things Darwin. Hidden Valley, of course, hosts the next round of the Repco Supercars Championship, and we love an anniversary, we love a milestone, and this year being the 25th anniversary of the first round back in 1998, well, Will Dale and I thought we would talk Darwin. Good idea, Will Dale? Yeah, I reckon it's a good idea. It's a great idea. I reckon, yeah. No, better than a great idea. Bloody super idea, I reckon. <laughs> yes. Sensational idea. Uh, there's so much to talk about with Darwin, and it's hard to sort of know where to start because I sort of think about Darwin from the sense that this is the round 25 years ago that really took the championship absolutely national. I mean, it was, okay, Western Australia, Eastern Seaboard, Tasmania, South Australia, going to the Territory locked in that one frontier that made the championship of the Australian Touring Car Championship, as it was in 1998, it made it truly national. Oh, absolutely. And it was the only truly national top-tier sport at that point because we were still a long way from, of course, like Rugby League and AFL both had plans to expand their territory nationally but were nowhere near doing so to that extent just yet. So V8 V8 Supercar's got a big jump on everyone else by... by, um, locking a deal in with the old Northern Territory government. And, of course, not long after that, we ended up with the other territory, yes. the Australian Capital Territory, having a race in uh, the streets of Canberra, which only lasted, what, three years, I think it was, in the end. But Darwin stood the test of time. It's absolutely stood the test of time, and it's a sensational round. I mean, it's it's probably not counted as a marquee round as, it, as the – you know, normally it's Newcastle, Adelaide. It's got that street race hmm. plus Bathurst. Townsville, I reckon, has probably dropped out of the marquee events now over time. But Darwin deserves its spot in the conversation because it's – I mean, there's a reason why this round is still on free-to-air because it's, it falls in a nice part of the calendar year to keep mm. that momentum – try to provide a lily pad for free-to-air. Perfect if you're from the southern states like us where it's cold in June <laughs> yes. and it's nice to get away. Great place to visit, great people, great food, great beer, great everything. Just great. It's just great. Yeah. One thing that I didn't realise until going back and having a look at some of the stats for this for this podcast app, it's actually the venue that's got the longest active streak of consistently being on the calendar, longer than any other venue that we currently go to in the championship. So from 1998, the mm. championship has gone there every year. Including, including twice in 2020. Two yeah. in 2020. So that was the year that broke the streak for a lot of tracks that, yeah. you know, for whatever reason, it, they couldn't get to having around there. So you're right. It's been able to withstand 
not just the COVID element, but it's been a permanent – because the thing is in the Territory, it's a big event. It's you the know, event. It's the event. I mean, yes, AFL do play the odd game up there now and they're big events, but when you consider supercars events in other parts of the country, a supercar round in Melbourne, well, Melbourne, the, you know, it's the sporting capital pretty much of Australia. I mean, I'm sure others will argue it from other states, but the reality is there's something big on here all the time. It's the true. Melbourne Cup, the AFL Grand Final, the Grand Prix, the you know, there's stuff going on everywhere. But in Darwin, the V8 supercar round is a big deal. So when it first when it the championship first went there in 1998, the race day crowd was 25,000 people, which is almost how which many was people al- live in Darwin? Well, that's it. It was almost a third of the population of Darwin <laughs> at that point. So they really hit on something. Yeah, good. no, no, no. It, that many people aren't wrong. It's perfectly in the window. The Territorians love their cars, and and the other thing is that th- there's a racing scene in the territory that we didn't really know about because we weren't exposed mm. to it before. V8 supercars going there, and and that whole Hidden Valley Raceway. I mean, that big long straight. That that's sort of the hub, quite literally, of Hidden Valley because it was a drag strip to start with before it was actually you know a racing track. Yeah, so I didn't really know. I've never really known heaps about this circuit, but I didn't. I did know that the drag strip was the first bit. Mm. I, I didn't know it had been around since 1985, though. Yeah, that, that's what thirteen years before V8 supercars went. Yeah. It fractionally predates me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I feel old. Yeah, now. Um, but this race tr- circuit itself came along the next year. Yeah, and it's it used the drag strip as the front straight, which of course by the time. Uh, the champ- the Australian Touring Car Championship wanted to come around and motorcycle racing wanted to race at Hidden Valley. Couldn't really do with all that VHT and the various track prep things you have mm. to do with drag racing. Can't really can't really do that. So um, as part of the state or state legislative legislative assemblies, um, you went to funding, say government. Then, didn't yeah, you? I did go mm. to say government, but they're a territory. Um, as part of um, some funding that they supplied, they upgraded the track for ninety eight put in a whole heap of other infrastructure and duplicated the drag strip to be the front straight of mm. the um, the racetrack. Yeah, and it's been a part of the calendar ever since. And I think it's Bathurst, isn't it, that's the only other track that comes close to being on the calendar yes. every year. Came because, onto the calendar in 99. And, of course, that's the first year that it was a part of the championship. So, mm. yes, they'd been racing at Bathurst continuously with supercars back beyond 99, but purely speaking about the championship, that's, a, that's an important part. When you play pub trivia in future, Will, and I know mm-hmm. you do like a bit of pub trivia. I do. If ever there's a motor racing example, I think this is a great question, and you know the answer because you put this note together, but I think our listeners <laughs> need to know this. It's niche note, If this is say. the difference between a meat tray or a six-pack or whatever's up for line at your local pub for a, a pub trivia night, if they ever ask the question, who won the first V8 supercar race at Hidden Valley, don't say... Because who who won the first race one of the championship? It was Craig Lowndes, which we'll we'll get we'll, we'll get, get to, to that there's, story. There's a story, there's yeah. a story, but that's not the answer to this. No, it's not, because of course this was in the era when we still had the Privateers Dash, mm-hmm. which was the first V8 supercar race that happened on that Sunday morning of the inaugural. Yeah, it wasn't round. a championship race. It wasn't a it championship was a dash race. as part of an event, mm. but it's a race. There was a start and a finish and a checkered flag. Just a race. The question said, who won the first V8 race? Mm-hmm. So it was the Privateers Dash, won by Paul Wheel. Hey, who was a very young Paul Wheel back then. Yeah, in what, his second year, second first? Year? First year. Oh, 98, of course. 98, yeah. First year, the yeah, ex Longhurst yeah. 
KNJ Thermal Products Falcon, the Castrol Kid on the windscreen banner. Um, And by the way, Rod Nash finished second, now Tickford co-owner, and John Briggs, who was a bad supercar team owner for a time, of the team that led to becoming Triple Eight, finished third. Yeah. So, yeah, that is one that could win you pub trivia. It might not. But it's a cool one to know, nevertheless. Could result in a hell of an argument. Well, a very what, niche argument. It's a, it's a niche argument. There's probably not many people to be in the argument. But nevertheless, we're here to help on answers. But you just alluded to it before. Darwin's turned up weird stuff, and we've got a whole pile of weird, interesting, quirky stuff to go through on this podcast. But it, it's a struggle to find a weirder one where the cars that finish one, two in a race both don't fire up their engines for the next race and the front row of the grid's left vacant, which is what happened to Scaife and Lowndes in 98 when, was it Scaife's car died on the run to the line in the lead Mm. and Lowndes rolled past him to win. Which would have been massively convenient given the um, title fight that Lowndes was in at the time. That's true. And, of course, this was in 1998. This was a really controversial round because – it was exciting that it was the first ever round in Darwin, but there was a political undertone to it all because the Holden teams had a new VT Commodore and it was forced upon both the Holden Racing team and Larry Perkins' Castrol team that their championship-challenging drivers, Craig Lowndes and Russell Ingle, had to drive the VT, the brand-new car, because basically they didn't want to be seen to be – they didn't want them sandbagging it so as it would then go out at Bathurst and then smash forward. Exactly. They, they had to do three, a minimum of three championship rounds before, in order for it to be eligible to run at the Enduros. So, of course, the two VTs rolled out at Calder as, well, the HRT car was run as a third entry by Greg Murphy and Larry himself was in the mm. Castrol VT. Um, and that was not allowed to happen at Hidden Valley. So the very first VT Commodore race win um, happened in race one at Hidden Valley by, oh, well, they were lucky it wasn't a lap longer. Oh, yeah, the, the two DNFs yeah, otherwise yeah. coming up. But when they went to start the other the Lowndes car for the next race, no good. So yeah. both HRT cars, and that's why when you look at the streak of, like they've, that team now, Walkinshaw and Dreddy United, they've been at every Darwin round over the journey, but they haven't started every race. Yes. And that one's the reason why. That one's br- broken the streak. Um and put a, a stop in that streak at, well, one, and then had to start the streak again from race three, 1998, uh, all the off way the through. Off the back, off the back yeah, of the grid as yeah. well. And then you had Ingle winning from effectively, what, 12th or 13th on the grid in a short, sharp sprint race. Yeah. You had, of course, three race format back then, so winner on points wins the round. You had television thinking Jason Barguana had won, <laughs> and then Ingle ends up winning and, of course, famously running around in the crowd spraying the champagne. It really set the tone for the feeling and the undertone of that event within the industry. I mean, I haven't heard anyone ever say, Hidden Valley, don't really like that place, don't like that track. I think it's got universal love from everyone in the industry, particularly southern states because a bit of sun in June is always nice. Doesn't hurt. But the people are so welcoming. I mean, you you get that transporter parade in town in the Mm. lead-up. Mindel Markets is amazing at sunset when they have the autograph uh, sessions with the drivers. You know, if you want to go for lunch, brekkie, whatever, dinner at Cullen Bay, there's, I mean, it's a great place. And to get to the track, it's it's out of town, but it's not miles out of town. It's like 15 Ks and it's yeah, not, yeah, it's, it's not an arduous a, drive. It's been a few years since I've been there, but it's not that far. Like, mm. it's we're not talking Wanneroo to Perth, like, kind of levels. Yes. We're talking pretty, pretty easy sort of levels. So, and that first one really, 
Ingle, <laughs> when he won and went and sprayed that champagne among the crowd, it kind of became – it had a feeling like this is the people's round, yeah. the V8 supercars. It's it, They're pretty chilled and, and cruisy in the territory compared to, you know, us highly strung southern folk and <laughs> eastern state folk. But it just fits – it's got a unique – Feel it's a to laid it, that back, round. yeah. But and and that's the thing because it was the big game in town. The circus had finally come to town. Mm. It was a big sporting event, and the public loved it. And there hasn't been too many hometowners to really cheer for over the journey. I mean, no. Leighton Cranbrook in the early days grew up in Darwin, but I think you know later on moved away. Mm. But was always sort of claimed as a Darwin driver, and of course Darwinian, Bryce Fullwood's yes. the the modern equivalent. Mm. Um, of course, he hasn't lived in Darwin for some time, but um, you know he, he's he's really hubbed there from his his history and his his time and his his roots are there and, and all that sort of stuff. So mm. it's very much a, a home round for him. So that's been a nice storyline to, to all of it. But looking back at some of this stuff, I'd forgotten about some of this. I mean, you've even like you've got some notes here about weirdness. So the HRT cars both failing to start. That's weird. That's right up there, yeah. Um, I'd forgotten that Ingle was on target the next year to win, wasn't he? He was. And then what happened there? There was something weird? Yeah, he, um, he'd he incurred some damage to the front end, end of his car that um, caused overheating. So he led a fair chunk of that last race and then all of a sudden the engine cooked Go itself on. and he fell back in the closing couple of laps. And that gave – we're talking about the – VT Commodore getting its first race win at Hidden Valley. The AE Falcon also got its yeah. first race win at <laughs> Hidden Valley um, in that final race of 99 with Jason Bright, which also earned him the round win. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and it wasn't the only time. So oh, that, sorry, and that was also Stone Brothers Racing's first round he, win as yeah, well. Yeah, because they won Bathurst the previous year, but mm. it wasn't a part of um, of the championship. So 90... What year am I thinking of? So the next year after that, so there was a period there where HRT slash Kmart were really dominant mm. in, in Darwin. There was a couple-year period there. There was one of the years, I think it was 2000, yeah, your note here says 2000, so it must be true, that they had to fully restart the first race. I do vaguely remember this, that the lights malfunctioned Yes. And they went in those days it was when you went from red light to green. Now it's just which red. Which is the way to I, out. I still think it should be, personally. Yeah, totally. That's another matter for another time. Green means go. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. So they went and this is before the days of this being the norm, red out. Yes. When everyone was expecting red green. Green. So if you did that to them now and you showed them a green light, they'd all fry their brain and go, <laughs> What the hell is going on here? This is Totally weird. And we talked about this on an earlier pod. Um, and thanks, everyone, too, for getting in touch with your suggestions for the lost races of touring cars and V8 supercars. We got some some really great feedback. This is one of the rounds where there are lost races because they started having short, sharp Saturday afternoon sprints that there were some highlights showing on Channel 10's coverage the next day, hmm. but you never got to see the actual the full thing, full thing on, on the Saturday. So the first time they did that, was 2001, mm. and that was the year that they were having a shootout at every round from my memory, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, was that that would have been yeah. like top 15 shootout it, era, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I think they had 15s at the marquee big rounds and 10s ah, yeah. everywhere else, but they counted for points in the championship. They did too. Those ones actually. The things these streets have seen, like legends, half man, half machine, who head up north to go down in history. But here in the Ville, nothing comes for free. Because here, 
there's no should. These streets reveal what's really under the hood. If these streets could talk, they wouldn't. They'd roar. They've seen the unforgettable and they just want more. NTI Townsville 500. Book now at Ticketek. And that was actually the year that... So Stone Brothers won again in 01 with Marcus Ambrose. But that's his first win, but it's often overlooked because we're now in that um, race win situation mm. of a race wins a win, whereas in those days a race win was a race win, but a round win was what got you the it, trophy. It was the valued in, thing, yeah, yeah. it got you in the middle step of the podium. So he won the round but didn't win any of the races. It was one of those unique situations yeah. where that happened a few times over the journey and, and Marcus's first round win was one where he didn't actually greet a checkered flag first, and that was when pre-qualifying was going on. So there was some dudes sent home. Imagine going all the way, all way, to, way Darwin. to Darwin. Poor, oh. poor, poor one out for Dean Canto, Matty White and Christian DeGostin, who but all missed the cut. Was DeGostin driving for Emory? Was he in the Emory he Cup? Was. He was. He was in the 14. Yeah, that's right. And Matty White was in his VS? I believe so, yes. Yeah, right. Jeez, it's a long way to go. It is a long way a long to go way. For, <laughs> for a 15 minutes pre-qualifying session on – I can't remember. That, I presume that's on Friday morning or maybe Friday. Thursday Arvo. No, I can't remember. I, I was there that year, I won. I remember it. I think that was the first year I went. did help that I had some Rellos who lived in Darwin at the time. So it doubled up as a good go to Darwin and then also hang out and see my auntie and my, my cousins. It was nice. Hmm. But there was one infamous year where hmm. we have to tell this story and I think it may have been – 2001, mm. our respected, loved, revered <laughs> photographer friend, Dirk Kleinsmith. Who has been a guest on this podcast. Friend of the pot, absolutely. He um, might not be after this story is told. Uh, this has been told that many times in the industry that it won't hurt by telling it again because <laughs> he's heard it that many times. So Dirk booked himself his trip to Darwin, ready to shoot, ready to take photos of supercars for the weekend. One problem, he booked the wrong weekend. <laughs> So he had a week's holiday in Darwin <laughs> to then prepare for the next round. So Nice, nice relaxing getaway. It's about 20 years ago. never been allowed to forget since. No, no, has never been permitted to forget <laughs> that one ever since. There's been some carnage in Darwin over the years, hasn't there? Multi-car oh, yeah. shunts, first lap shunts. Grass fires are common. I mean, it's pretty dry up there <laughs> yes. and a hot exhaust. A car even just pulling off to the side of the track with a mechanical drama. Woof, safety car. Um, not so much that the car's on fire, the grass is on fire. Which posed a rather interesting scenario in 2009 where a driver was very specifically told not to go onto the grass Who when their that? car broke down. It was Tim Slate. Ah, oh, yes, yes, yes. I see yeah. where you're going here. The Sunday race where, um, where the soft tyre was in use. From memory. Did he have a teammate who was going to be advantaged by a safety car? Funnily enough, he did. Mm. However, and it was investigated afterwards as to the um, legitimacy of the mechanical issue that Slade's Paul Morris Motorsport car was having. Um, and it was proven rather definitively that, no, it was genuine. The car actually did break down um, due to the heat and it was able to fire back up again and continue on its way. And it definitely wasn't a code red scenario. So it wasn't like Bathurst 2008. The year before, which I don't think anyone knew about at the time. No, isn't that funny that the one yeah. that everyone looked at versus wasn't the one that everyone didn't look at? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it went to a full stewards hearing in Townsville, which then was delayed by a day because they, were, because they needed to print out all the data sheets and they couldn't <laughs> find a colour printer. Why am I not shocked by that? Yeah. Why am I not shocked? Um, there's been a bit of teammate tango. 
in Darwin. There has, there I mean, has a bit. Marcus Ambrose and Russell Ingle got together going into the first quarter in 04. That was Marcus into Russell. Yeah, well, Marcus and I think he tried to claim that Bridie pushed him. <laughs> the video did not support not that Not even allegation. close. And Marcus not was therefore close. on a streak of two hits in two in the space of two racing corners because he'd cleaned because. Because he got scafe at the last corner of the previous in race. The Saturday race. Yeah. And for the win. For the win. But didn't, didn't win because yeah, Russell went past the both. Exactly. And that was – all right, where do you sit on that Ambrose scafe 4 Darwin one? Opportunistic and out of control or fair play outsmarted him, well bowled? Well, we've not – well, we keep bringing it up so it's memorable. So you've got to like that. You've got, mm-hmm. you've got, no, to, you've got yeah. to like someone having a go for the win – Right up to the last possible opportunity. And the last corner is kind of the last opportunity yeah, you can try and take a win away. He was in. Yeah. He, he didn't <laughs> Mark hit him in the back disagree, wheel. But, yeah. He was well in there. So. Yeah. But out of it all, Russell Ingle, who just had a great affinity with Darwin. I mean, he clicked hmm. with that place and the people and, you know, not just that inaugural win, but he was strong in 99. He was always pretty strong for Stone Brothers hmm. um, by that stage. But really it was a HRT Kmart track there, the early 2000s I mentioned before. And then – even in the years when they dropped away, they were still strong there because Todd Kelly, remember, won in 2004 mm. and then he went back and he won again the next year because he had that special bonnet. Do you remember that? The 50-round oh, celebration round, yeah. bonnet because they'd won in China. Mm. So they ran a special bonnet for, for Darwin and and he was just just on fire at that joint. I mean, 04, those HRT cars weren't that flash. They had to run, you know, they'd been running the newer engine mm. and – What's it, Hidden Valley? It's big on straight. straight. So, yes. you know, those blokes with the 18 degrees were generally pretty solid. But mm. he was able to turn on some some good results there and win. You know, 04 was a bit against the grain. Mm. 05 was, you know, solid. And there's been other times that people have popped up and caused the odd boil over along the way too. Oh, totally. Um, just to circle back on Todd though, like mm. it was good that he got those two good years considering his car got trashed in the final race of 03. Oh, yeah, that's right. But the other thing is though too with that, he made Murph's Lap of the Gods out of that. He sure did. Because that car that was crashed in Darwin, sidelined, repaired, returned to service for Gregory as the 51 Kmart car that goes on and wins Bathurst later in the year. So it wasn't all bad. No, no, no. It didn't help Todd, but it, did not, it, it wasn't all bad. We've come to know the round at Darwin as the Triple Crown, which I actually really like that events have got personalities of their own or awards of their own. Hmm. And this was kind of the holy grail of supercars because no one it wanted. took donkeys <laughs> for anyone to win the bloody thing. Which kind of makes sense when, like, the triple crown idea makes sense when you have three races in the weekend. So, you know, hmm. and, and it would have been hard, extremely hard to win that first year in 2006 because the middle <laughs> race was a full <laughs> reverse grid. So that didn't quite work. But no. then then when it went back down to a two-race weekend in, what was it, I think oh, 2009? Yeah, 09 was the first one, yeah. Um, and then the third leg of trying to complete the Triple Crown was winning the top or being fastest in the top ten shootout. That does add a further level of difficulty mm. to, to mm. achieving it. So you can't see why it took so long. Still, no one managed to... To get it done in all that time, it took what was the first year? Twenty nineteen. Yeah. So from 06 to nineteen, and and if it, yeah, you're right. If it wasn't a three race format, it was two plus the shootout, mm. and it took till nineteen in perhaps you know one of the more dominant seasons we've seen from a driver and car combo mm. to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's it was it was for a long time looking like no one was gonna. It was like this. Darwin curse was yes. across yeah. anyone who dared to trespass on the Hidden Valley and. Want to win the triple crown? It was um, something that took a 
like way too long to do. Oh yeah, like and now you now it's well, I don't want to say the bar's been lowered because winning it's still really bloody hard. But now you just need to win to score the most round points. Yeah, you don't need to actually win everything. Yeah. See, I kind of yeah. Mm. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's exactly. Kinda, yeah. It's kind of like winning the Grand Slam, um, but not in the calendar year. Yeah. It's sort of, yeah, you won the Grand the same, Slam, yeah. but it's not the Grand Slam, yeah. if that makes sense. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. There's been a couple of moments that stand out too that I'd love to talk about. Mm-hmm. Jason Richards' pole position. Yeah. 2009. And not just because of what happened in the, the years that followed, but that was a bit against the grain mm. because that popped up and it was kind of, ooh, of course, couldn't convert it into a win, just just not strong enough. Soft tyre element was at play because that was the year that came into the championship. Yes. And of I think course, that was a second second outing for them. The first one had been at Winton. Winton, yeah, that's right. And I reckon I reckon Michael Caruso is unfairly victimised <laughs> because everybody claims from their memory bank, oh, he only won the Sunday race because of the soft tyres. Yeah, no, the exact not, opposite. It's not the case. Yeah. It's, it's one of those... Furfies of supercars history that where the fans have just sort of the Mandela conditioned yeah. to think that, or I'm not sure. Yeah. But go back and look at the race weekend and how it all unfolded. That was legitimate. That was a that wasn't a Stephen Bradbury, you know, weirdo dropped everyone dropped out and he was the only bloke with soft tires left or no. got a lucky safety car. He, he actually deserved that. That was a genuine one. A couple more laps though, he might have been in a bit of trouble. But he wasn't, so it was okay. Exactly, exactly. It was okay. And then he goes and wins in a Nissan. What was that, 2015? 2016. 16. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and then, <laughs> what? Like, that was against the grain. Yeah, Caruso had had a – ironically, he'd led the championship at the start of that year. He did too, Adelaide. And yeah. 16 was – the Nissan seemed to go okay at Hidden Valley because you well, think Rick, Rick got a couple of poles. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think one of them. Fell apart when he and Fabian got together, didn't they? Down at turn one. Poor Fabian. That was in 2015, where Fab started. I think he was on the front row for both Saturday races and got clean bowled at turn one in both of them. Mm. First by Jamie Wincup, then by. Was it him cleaning up Rick or Rick cleaning up him? It was Rick cleaning up him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oops. 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 Indeed. That was a busy weekend at turn one because if you think back at um, later in the first Saturday race on a restart. Van Gisberg and Courtney and Tanda all tried to share the same piece of road. Oh, yeah, because those three wouldn't want to back out, would they? No, so that <laughs> ended up with um, two HRT cars spinning backwards into the scenery. Those guys feature in Darwin history, actually, don't they? Because when I think of Tanda, mm. I think of 08 and the Holden flag. Remember this? Oh, so safety yeah. car late period's called because and Stephen Richards leading for Castrol FBR. Mm. Tanda second for HRT. There's a there's a debris on the track coming out of the last corner, and when it's you know picked up off the track, it's a Holden Racing Team <laughs> or a Holden flag. So and well, then and what the happens? La- the last like, corner is a long way from any spectator area, isn't oh, it? Or like a throwing a distance to, wise. Well, it depends where you are. But mm. a couple of laps to go, a restart. Richo fluffs it. Garth jumps him. Bang. Tanda wins. All down to a Holden flag. Unbelievable. Ford fans still remember that. They still are shirty. <laughs> I'm sure Richo remembers it. Oh, very, yeah, I'm sure very... that's, uh, that's had a run in his brain a couple of times um, over the journey. He did get the round win, though, did he not? Well. And he won the final race. Okay, so he, it worked out in the end. It wasn't total disaster. Yeah. But, 
But yeah, like, a race wins a race win. And I'm not sh- I'm not sure if he had a contract bonuses uh, bonus for race wins back then. But if he did, I'd be particularly shirty too. Very expensive flag. Yeah, yeah. Um, surprise results too. Remember Alex Davison? When yeah. He was driving for Stone Brothers in the Irwin car. Nearly knocked off. No, he got the pole over Wing Cup uh, Sunday 2010. Closest non-zero pole margin in history, and why we say that because for many years timing was to one decimal point. So sometimes it was even less than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So point zero 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 two of a second. Yeah. So what's that? Two one two ten thousand two ten thousandths of a second. It's tiny. I mean, you like, could not do that on a stopwatch stop start. Oh no! No, no way! No, no way! Like no, not without mechanical intervention. Yeah, that's that's insane. That's yeah. insane. Don't but, know, I don't know what that actually that margin actually works out to in terms of distance at the front at the start finish line. But yeah, it'd be, it'd be centimeters. Tiny. Yeah, it'd be centimeters. Not well, it might be millimeters. Yeah, more than, um, centimeters. And wasn't it the 2011 year? So that was the one where everyone um, late in the race, Saturday race. Winner bottom bold, Jamie off at turn one off a restart. Um, he backed them up, compressed them all. They all went crazy at turn one. Um, the seas open and Rick Kelly emerges through it all. Yeah. Fifth to first in one corner. Yeah. Cause wins the race from 11th or wherever he was on the grid. Yeah. Because they were, they were running because of, because of getting backed up. It was what I think Holdsworth, Win Cup. Frosty and Van Gisbergen basically arrived at turn one side by side by side by side. Mm, mm. Um, and Lee was probably going to be home free, but he also ran wide. And that's what <laughs> opened the gap for Rick to to run through on the inside and if, steal the win from everyone. Go and find the vision. It's probably I'd say it's on the Supercars uh, YouTube page. Uh, it's it is probably as Bradbury a moment as you'll get. Everyone drops off and he just sails past them. Or skates past them is yes. probably a better well, um, Bradbury description. To be fair, Rick also repaid the favour in fifteen by doing that to Fabian at the first corner, which opened the which parted the seas for Craig Lowndes to come through and take his one hundredth uh, championship race win. Now, wasn't that a day that was just meant to be? Mm. So that was the first year of the new television deal. You might remember Fox and Ten. I was, remember. It yeah. was a Fox <laughs> round. So I wasn't there. That was the first year I hadn't gone down for quite a few years. Yeah, right. So as we do now for the broadcast, doing the stats for the TV commentators and all that stuff, and it was only during the race while I was preparing some hundred-type stuff, like, oh, he's going to get it done today, mm. that I figured it was the 888th championship race. I you should would not, not believe it. And, of course, <laughs> the bloke in Triple Eight who personifies that number yeah. is on his way to win this milestone race, which was, you know, pff, insane. Crazy, oh, yeah. crazy stuff. Um, One of my overriding memories from that particular victory, though, is of the papers the next day, and I won't say which outlet. Um, Go on. Oh, I actually just genuinely oh, don't you can't remember. remember. No, no. <laughs> I thought um, you were protecting them. No, no, no. Um, Carried all the photos of Lounsey's win, photo of him on the podium, and the caption said, "Photo Craig Lounsey celebrates with his dad on the podium. And, of course, the photo is of Craig. Frank. Frank. His dad, Frank, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's not who was in the photo. Though. Oh, right. No, no. His uh, other dad. How many dads has he got? It was Roland. Oh. <laughs> it was a photo of Roland <laughs> with Craig. I'm sure Roland's been called far worse things uh, than Craig's true. dad. Yes. I'm, I'm sure that was quite a chuckle. <laughs> I'm sure they got a chuckle out of that. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. 
Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. People didn't get a chuckle out of repairing cars from Darwin. 2013, Mm. first year of Car of the Future, what, six rounds in or something like that, and absolutely belted half the field to oblivion on the first lap of that last race. Remember that? Giant carambolage. Dean Fiore up on his side, yeah. I was looking at the vision earlier. Like They were trying to piece together the field for the restart. There was gaps all over the place. There was cars being pushed away. Two-thirds of the Erebus team were wiped out. It was nasty. Like, it was big and... And that's probably the that's the biggest. Although two thousand two, there was a pretty big nasty one. Yep, there was. Traddy, same Faulkner, spot. Just yeah, uh, or just Wayne a little bit Gardner, further down the road. I a little think bit as well. Down the road. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, there, yeah, that was the Gardner was driving a third Stone Brothers car. That's right. As yeah. a, um getting ready for Bathurst, but but you go all the way back to that first race weekend in ninety eight, and there was a multi car tangle. Oh, Brighty was yeah. in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was cars going everywhere, and that was that area of the track improved. If you look at the vision, I mean, it's very. Dirt surrounded the track in those days. It got mm. more lush as the years went by, and um, they were able to do a bit of that stuff. But yeah, you go out. You can't even say they went out to the weeds because there <laughs> wasn't even any weeds there. No, like it was just it was just out in the dust somewhere, trying to find your way um, to get back on the road. So yeah, the big one. And then there was the one in 07 where Will Davison on the first lap or second lap, first lap, I think, yes, got first into lap. frosty, Correct. and then Ingle got stuck into it. And they ripped Will apart on telly. Edwards gave him a slagging. Ingle gave him a slagging. Well, I excluded him from the race. He got excluded, yeah. which was like, you know, if that sort of stuff happened now, I don't, I wouldn't have expected an exclusion. Mm. But they they went hard that day. They they wiped him out. Yeah. And forced him to start from the back for the next one. So. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, Tim Edwards had Will as his driver a few years later. <laughs> it always comes around somewhere, it always somewhere does. doesn't it? You always end up in a, a garage with someone. Uh, there's been a few a few arguments, the odd little bit of niggle, but probably the takeaway one. Um, wasn't it – was it Darwin where Dale Wood and Nick Perkett had their – See, this is what I thought as well. And no, that happened at SMP. Oh, it's SMP. And I and I only know this because I, see, what no, you're remembering. No, Perkat has a blow up in Darwin about Winker. Correct. That's right. Now, having talked to Darwood on the pod, I recorded that a few weeks before we played it, so that's why it's not as fresh in my brain. But that's right because Nick driving for Lucas Dumbrell. Was that the one where Winkup's door skin all got peeled off and he was driving around like a Mad Max car? So, so this is. The opening lap of the second Saturday race, and they get stuck into Andre Heimgartner, and it, and it's Will Davison in the Erebus car that turns Andre sideways, and then Jamie piles into the back, as does Nick, um, and yeah, a lot of cars get damaged, in particular Nick's, and yes, it was it was him that it was in his um, post incident interview where he said. He was helping the guys repair the car because otherwise he would be going down to go and punch Jamie for what he'd done (laughs) and talking about Triple Eight with all their millions of dollars and they're trying to scrounge together the bits to put put their their rig back together. Which, of course, was the Lucas Dumbrell. Which was a Triple Eight built car. Which, yeah, originally was a Triple Eight car, yeah. And that's the weekend too that started. This is the Dave Reynolds shortcut shoey. (laughs) 
Yes. So this is where the and, and it's, it's not where the Shuey started, but it's where no, it was no, introduced to supercars. It's, it's where supercars first got literally a taste of it. <laughs> yeah. But this was also where that incident where we've seen was it turn four, the right hand turn five, takes, turn five, yeah, where people have run off the road there, bypassed the the loop and the hairpin and pop back out straight in front, which. You know, a lot of people say, well, it's easy to fix that. Just put a wall there and they won't be able to cut through it. But a head-on with a wall in that situation is probably, probably not good far for business worse. No, for anybody. No. So um, that was one of those unique situations. But Reynolds is another guy who's clicked with that track over the journey, no matter what he's been, whether it was with Tickford, with the Falcons. He's been had some success with Erebus up there as well. Hmm. He, he hooks into that joint pretty well as well. That just unlocked a memory. I'm pretty sure they created a mural of him in Darwin Around what? that sort of Erebus 2018 era. A mural? Um, a mural, yeah. Where? At the track? Uh, not in at town. the track. I think it was in town. I'll have to – I'll just have to just do double check this, this because yeah, – um, need to see this. Let's just say it was not a um, 100% faithful rendition of Dave's face. Artist's impression of? Yeah. Not such a strong impression? It was that impression? Yeah. <laughs> Ah, yes. David Reynolds immortalised in street art. This was in 2018. Mm. And um, out of 10, what would you say? Can you show me? <laughs> I for, sure for can, our, you. our listeners, um, you'll know from what I react to on this. Uh, yeah, I, I can see it. I think they've un- aged him. They've <laughs> aged him. Let's put it that way. You, you can definitely see it. The trick is you can't unsee it. <laughs> what am I? Am I looking for something else here? No, nah, it's just... I thought just you look at it. I thought no, you were no, like, no, well, there's a Where's Wally? There's no, something no, in the no, morning. No, no. Just, yeah. yeah, okay, that's that's different. That's that's interesting. I wonder it's if it's different. still there. It's unusual. I don't think it is. Okay, probably. A oh, actually, I don't know. I don't know. It may well be. It may. Well, it may if you're in he Darwin, may be you a different pod <laughs> and you know where the Dave Reynolds mural is, take a photo and send it to us. Please do. I'm genuinely curious as to whether that's still around. Yeah, I'm genuinely curious too. Probably scared if it is. Supercars in Darwin uh, last year particularly um, and this year, uh, it's the Indigenous round, so we get those Indigenous liveries which look fantastic on the cars and provide us that little variation on the season where we've sort of had the you know, the first part of the year with everyone with their pretty regular liveries. Now we get a little bit of a, a tweak. Obviously come the Enduros, there's a bit more chance for, for some upgrades and stuff like that as well. But you've got to wind right back to – was it 08, the red dust liveries that the Triple Eight team ran mm. on the Team Vodafone cars, that they were kind of the first, you know, Indigenous livery that appeared at Hidden Valley over the journey, which was, at the you know, one-off. It's the only time they ever ran and they had special yeah. suits and all that stuff went they, with it. So they, they were did well continue, ahead of the curve. Totally. They did continue the charity partnership that, that was done for in later years with just the driver helmets. But, yeah, that was the only time they did the full livery on the car in the so, well, in the Vodafone era mm. anyway because we've seen in more recent years through the relationship with their petroleum company, and I've used that word ambiguously because <laughs> – that petroleum company's changed names halfway mm, through mm, this. Mm. But you think back to when Craig Lowndes was in the Team Vortex car, they yep. ran special Indigenous mm-hmm. liveries um, in partnership with Clontar Foundation and yep. that's who they've partnered with in subsequent years um, with Red Bull Ampol Racing in the last two years. I think it was a full livery last year and it was the roof the pr- in 2021. That's right. Yeah. 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 So looking forward to, uh, to seeing in the next few weeks the liveries start to appear mm. uh, heading into that next round of the championship, which is, of course, uh, Hidden Valley in Darwin in Ju- – I don't know. I went to say Jouin because it's <laughs> it's, Mans, weekend, it's isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's all that stuff. It's – 
it's in my head. It's sort of what I'm thinking of too. But there's it's a great time for motorsport at the moment this time of year. We go from that really big, big start to the season. You know, street event in Newey and the Grand Prix at Albert Park. And if you're looking around the world, Formula One kicks off and Daytona 500, and we've just had the Indy 500. Now we get to have the Le Mans 24 hour. A um, couple of good events in supercars in the sun of the northern states and territories. And territories. Um, and then, of course, we get that big run home with all those marquee events. So it's a good time to be talking about supercars and all the cool stuff from Darwin over the years. There's so much to see and do there too. It's mm. not just about the racing. Like you could actually go for a week or two, spend two days or three days at the track, and then a week doing all sorts of other stuff around the place. There's, there's, and it's the perfect time of year. So if you don't understand that sort of um, location of Australia – there's two seasons in Darwin. Hmm. It's not summer and autumn and it's wet and dry. Yes. It, it's, yeah. it's on or off like this. Yeah. There's, there's no in between. That's why and, we've consistently raced at this time of year in Darwin and not at any other time yeah, of the year. Yeah, or, or if we've varied a little in the COVID years, it wasn't by that much. No. It wasn't much. I think it was – were we sneaking into August in 2020 by the time we got – the championship got going again in so, July yeah. and then there was those double weekends where they did two in a row to just keep on having racing. And From memory, this was the first place to do a doubleheader round on successive weekends because those, yeah. those first two Sydney Motorsport Park rounds were a few weeks apart. They were – yeah, they were like a month or mm. so apart because then we did double Darwin. There was double Townsville. Which has happened to – Couple mm. of times, mm. yeah, yeah. So it's and that was the that was where Scott Pye really stood up in those um, that that COVID year because he was just the king of keeping the ties on that thing. Yeah. The the Dewalt Team Eighteen car and six races, three podiums. Yeah, yeah. Just kept on racking them up and doing the same thing. And I think it's a little it's a little sad that that round was it the first one or the second one? I can't remember off the top of my head. First one, first one that Anton Di Pasquale won his first supercars race for Erebus. But it was in one of those ones where not everyone was on the same tyres at the same time because yeah. you had to use your your biscuits over the course of the weekend. You, you didn't, you know, not everyone was eating the same biscuit at the same time, if that makes makes sense. So Still, though, a race oh, win is a race win. Yeah, no, I mean, there were other drivers in that race who were running the same tyre strategy as him. So yeah. they also effectively had the chance to win. But it's not one of those ones that's – it's a bit like that Jack LeBrock win the same season at Sydney Motorsport Park. It's in the record books. It's a win. But, I, for example, I, rec- I remember Jack LeBrock's podium when he tried to win at the bend mm. and more than the win yeah. at Sydney Motorsport Park. But nevertheless, Anton's in the record books as a race winner uh, in the top end up at Hidden Valley in Darwin. So everything's out the window, though, now. 25th anniversary round, everything's out the window because cars are different, engines are different. It's all different. So yeah. basically everything that we know from there doesn't really mean a great deal. No. As we've seen from um, the races this year, like we can't really use 2022 or anything previous as a form guide. One thing I can guarantee though, mm-hmm. and, and this has been the case for many years in Darwin, and it's been a few <laughs> since I've been there, mm-hmm. the Sunday night after party, some of the best action I've ever seen. <laughs> I've seen Mark Beretta in dance-offs at the Discovery Nightclub. I mean, that uh, checks out. Yeah, that was uh, he was totally in for it that night. Um I reckon it because it's the worst thing you could do is have to catch a red eye home. Oh, that's just like when a terrible the party's idea. getting good yeah. and you've got to take off and go to the airport. You've got to be able to find a way to stay Sunday night, head home Monday. There actually used to be a big fishing trip for a lot of the Holden drivers on the Monday after. Oh, yes, I've seen photos. Mm, not looking the best, some of those boys, I've got to tell you. No. So, uh, 
that's the great part about Darwin is that everyone does really take advantage of the location, the hospitality, the weather. It's it's cool. And by the way, we're not getting paid for this by anybody. We're not getting <laughs> paid by the Northern Territory government, by the event organiser, which it's a, it's a government event. We've done a couple of pods this year looking at the history of certain rounds and some of the stuff that's gone on. And we thought, well, 25th anniversary, Darwin, we're up for it. So We are. Can I, can I, can I just add before mm, we wrap this up? Of course up, you can. We talked about the weird things that have happened mm. at the Hidden Valley round. Yeah. And this this is probably the weirdest thing that I've come across. And Shane Rogers, our data guru, told me about this ages ago. Mm. And it popped back into my mind when we were when I was doing some research for this. So in the 2009 Saturday race, mm. that race went time certain, finished after 34 laps. Because we know the fans love time certain finishes. Love time Big certain time finishes. Yep. That race was scheduled to go 35 laps, so it was one lap short. Close, but. No safety car periods. All right. Who did the event no, no wet, No wet weather because, you know, it's Darwin. <laughs> We've not had a wet race there. Probably not going to in June. No. So what Shane had told me, and which I was able to verify through um through a bit of a bit of a dig this morning, the event schedule when they set it up, they made a bit of a mistake with the broadcast windows, having forgotten that Darwin is half an hour behind <laughs> the eastern states. <laughs> so Oh, minor issue. Yeah. Well, actually major issue. Half an hour of television is very important. So the exact wording was that um, the problem arose from a combination of the time difference and placement of international telecast spots. And the problem wasn't discovered until it was too late and supercars had kind of been backed into a corner. They just had to go as many laps as they could squeeze in. And 34 was was it. They almost got away with Nearly it. Nearly snuck away Almost with it. got away with it. That's reminded me. I don't know why it reminds me, but um, a couple of things. We always have additional thoughts on things, but I think mm. they're worth it. Do you remember 2003? Jamie Winkup, rookie in V8 supercars. He's out of the race. He's crashed. His car's buggered. They put it on the tow truck. It's still on the track being taken away as the cars have come around the last turn and have been given the last minute, all right, we're going to have a restart. Oh, I had the forgotten about on this. The truck's on the track. Yeah. yeah, I remember that now. Oof. That was, yeah, that was bad. That was bad. But I also remember too, support categories in Darwin have generally turned on a good show. Oh, yeah. And you get to see the. I love the Darwin Improved Production Commodore Cup. Oh yes, like it's yeah. cool. There's a bit of everything. It's like really random, and you know, some of those Commodore Cup cars. I mean, they were racing in the '90s, like VH Commodores and and stuff like that. I think Bryce Forward went and had a run in one um, some years back up there when he was in development series. But yeah, I, I love what you get up there with that sort of stuff. Well, what they've got now with the with the superbikes and the top the drag oh, racing perfect. as well. It's it's basically actually if you think about it, it's the new triple challenge. For sure. It's I nearly called crown, it the triple challenge yeah, a couple of times during yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's totally the case. Drags, bikes, supercars, touring cars as it was yeah. at Eastern Creek. Another thing spring to my mind I remember vividly the first year of doing television, hmm. one of the closest finishes I think I've ever called. In the Utes, and the Utes in Darwin were always a cracker because oh, they yeah. absolutely fit the bill perfectly. Grant Johnson, mm -hmm. Jack Ellsgood, side by side on the run to the line. Mm -hmm. I can't even remember who won. I think Grant <laughs> won. But it was like 0 0.002 of a second. It was something ridiculous that made us all nearly fall over because it was such a close finish. Because you've got that whole run off that last corner and there's a bit of time to, you know, pull some gears and yeah. get down the straight and 
get to that spot. But anyway, that was, was just it, one of those fun things. Was it Aussie racing cars a few years ago where Paul Morris and whoever came second shook, reached out and shook hands <laughs> I afterwards? I don't remember that. Yeah, it rings a bell. Yeah, I don't remember that at all, but fair chance that it happened. Different, but yeah. Yeah. yeah Memorable. Totally. Memorable. And that's the beauty. There's so much. And because this is one of the newer tracks on the calendar, it's now got its own history. I mean, the fact mm. that we're talking about a 25th anniversary this year from 98 to 2023, this event's now got history. It's yeah. not just, oh, that's sort of the new thing, oh, seven years. Uh, this is a fair body of work and everyone involved over the years who put this together um, has been fantastic. And it's never had that take out the COVID years where they were capped in crowds and no corporate boxes and all that stuff. It's never had the wane. And if it's it has, it's building. not been very noticeable. No. In terms of crowd, yeah. interest, engagement with the the town, or town, city, what am I saying? Yes. But whereas I see that in other areas and in other tracks and other street venues and stuff like that, to the credit of the Territorians, they have stuck fat with this round That's all the true. way through. That's all true. the way through. It's um it sort of goes back to it being being the big deal, the big mm. event, the mm. the main it's it's their Grand Prix. Yep. Totally, totally. The Darwin Grand Prix for supercars. There yeah. you go. Yes. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Hey, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Um, really appreciate the ongoing podcast support that we have. It's been amazing, and we've got plenty more chats lined up. I've got a few locked in for the next couple of weeks, Will, to go and record. I can't say too much, but you'll hear them in, in upcoming weeks. Of course, <laughs> you may be identified able to identify who they may be based on the Couch Raiser Questions posts on their Facebook page. That's true. But some people might not have seen them. That's but, true. But some people may have seen them. You know who has seen them? The guests who come on, they all check them out now to get a bit of an early <laughs> scoop on what the questions That's are just going smart. to be. I, yeah, yeah so I deliberately that. don't run some of them because they're waiting for some of those questions and I just don't put them in there just to really mess with their heads yes, more, than yeah. anything, more than anything. Um Repco Supercars Weekly, back every week. Uh, Castrol Motorsport News Podcast on Tuesdays. Just quickly, too, before we go, uh, V8 Sleuth Super Sale. It ends uh, this weekend in terms of the online sale. But the good news is, if you're in Melbourne, we're having an in-person physical V8 Sleuth Super Sale uh, Saturday, June 3, 9am to 1pm. It's at Onyx Cafe. That's O-N-Y-X, if you're spelling it on GPS. Like the F1 team? That's it. Well... It's still around, more yeah. so than the Onyx Formula 1 yes. team. Yeah. Uh, 328 Reserve Road in Cheltenham. We've got a huge range. Motorsport books, magazines, DVDs, memorabilia, posters, prints, all sorts of cool stuff. So uh, Castrol Tickford Mustang Show Car due to be parked at the front. So if you're zipping down Reserve Road and you're trying to find where we are, look for Thomas. Well, not, not Thomas Round. It won't be Thomas, but it'll be the, the show car. So absolutely come on and get a photo with the show car. Pop in, say day. Food and coffee is uh, all the goer in at the cafe. Uh, we'd love to see a lot of our listeners and a lot of our followers there. Pick yourself up a bargain. You're, you're going to be there signing autographs, aren't you? I'll be there. <laughs> I don't know about signing autographs. Hey, look, two counts as autographs. <laughs> yes. People want their Plural. book signed. You know, you've written if a lot of If they want their book devalued, it's their choice. <laughs> I'm more than happy to put an autograph on it. Oh, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Hey, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Darwin Supercars, looking forward to... Uh, the Supercars heading back to the Territory in a few weeks' time. We'll be back next week with another episode of the VA Salute Podcast. As always, send in your feedback, send in your questions. We'd love to hear from you via the v8salute.com.au website or via our socials. You know how to get in touch. Uh, tell all your friends about the podcast too. If they don't listen, tell them to listen. We'd love to have more people tuning in and listen to what we do. Anyway, we're done. We'll chat to you again next week.
cars in Sydney, racing all weekend long. Panasonic Air Conditioning, Sydney Super Night, 19 to 21 July. Now a ticket to Supercars, unforgettable.